Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, a joint podcast from The China Project and Caixin Global. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast, part of the China Project. After a two-month break, we are back, and from now on, we'll be publishing on Fridays, Friday evenings in China, Friday morning in the U.S., Please spread the word. We will be focusing more on the business stories that really matter in a more timely fashion. We are back in the saddle for a roundup of a very busy week. China's top financial regulators have tried to address concerns about the country's sluggish economy plagued by a prolonged property market crisis. Canada has ordered Chinese miners to divest from the country's lithium projects, and Apple supplier Foxconn is trying to contain workers fleeing from its Henan plant. Plus, celebrity endorsements have become the latest target in regulators' sites. With that, here's your business news roundup for the week. Sales and lending in China's property sector have seen marginal improvement recently, the country's central bank chief Yi Gang said at a summit on Wednesday, as he sought to address worries about a prolonged real estate crisis that has plagued the world's second-largest economy. Speaking in a pre-recorded interview at the Global Financial Leaders Investment Summit in Hong Kong, E said regulators hope China's housing market can achieve a, quote, soft landing. China's property market meltdown began in the second half of last year as Beijing's years-long efforts to rein in speculation and excessive borrowing in the industry stripped many developers of their main funding sources. Dozens of companies, including big names like Evergrande, have been left struggling to finish projects and to repay debts. This year, Chinese authorities at all levels have made hundreds of policy moves to stabilize the property market. As for the PBOC, E said it has taken a raft of measures, including cutting mortgage rates, lowering down payment requirements, and encouraging banks to introduce a special lending program for developers to ensure timely completion of unfinished housing projects. And speaking of cash-strapped developers, the first to come to mind, of course, is Evergrande and 
the property developer from Shenzhen, is in the news yet again. A local court has given the go-ahead to Shengjing Bank, a regional lender in northeastern China, that is owed 32.6 billion yuan, or 4.48 billion U.S. dollars by Evergrande, to auction or sell shares pledged by a subsidiary in order to recover the money. Shengjing obtained a notice of enforcement entitling it to sell a 31% stake in property-to-energy conglomerate Xinjiang Guanghui Industry Investment Group. That's according to an Evergrande filing to the Hong Kong Stock Exchange on Tuesday. These shares were pledged by Evergrande's subsidiary when Evergrande took out loans from the bank from 2020 to 2021. Evergrande was previously the controlling shareholder of Hong Kong-listed Shengjing Bank, which is the largest commercial bank in northeast China. As we all know, Evergrande has been selling assets to help repay its massive debts. The developer's interest-bearing liabilities ballooned to around 717 billion yuan at the end of 2020, although they had fallen to around 572 billion yuan six months later, according to exchange filings. No details of the company's financial situation have been released since. Moving from the property sector to the latest energy news, three Chinese mining companies have been ordered by the Canadian government to scale back their investment in the country's lithium projects. The subsidiaries of Zhangge Mining Company, Chengxin Lithium Group, and Sino Mine Resource Group were told to begin divesting from Ultra Lithium Inc., Lithium Chili Inc., and Power Metals Corp., respectively. This comes as Canada and its allies have become increasingly concerned about securing critical minerals needed for a range of goods, from electric vehicles to smartphones, while pushing back on China's industry dominance. Chinese firms, meanwhile, have scrambled to acquire lithium mines worldwide over the past few years, the key electric battery material is considered a critical strategic resource as the country transitions away from fossil fuels. Lithium prices have more than tripled compared to a year earlier. And we've got a couple of updates in China's electric vehicle sector. Chinese automaker Geely is planning to spin off and list its premium EV unit, Zeker, according to a Monday filing. The spin-off is a bold move by the Volvo owner, floating the subsidiary at a time when investors' sentiment toward China's major EV startups such as NIO and Xpeng is cooling, wiping billions of dollars from their market capitalization. Yet, it comes as Chinese traditional car makers are stepping up investments into EV and hybrid vehicles, with some having already spun off subsidiaries to fund growth in the sector. Hong Kong-listed Geely set up Zeker in 2021 as an attempt to break into the high-end market. Its first model rolled off the production line in October last year, and the company said it had delivered over 45,000 Zeker 001s as of September. On the other hand, rival WM Motor isn't doing so well. Following its filing for a Hong Kong IPO in June, Caixin has learned that the EV startup is mulling job and salary cuts. The bad news comes as the company has been struggling with problems including slow sales and fundraising hurdles. WM sold about 28,000 vehicles in the first nine months of this year, 
well below its domestic rivals Neo, Xpeng, and Li Auto. The Shanghai-based carmaker is likely to delay the delivery of its new sedan model M7, which was scheduled for the second half of this year, according to a person close to WM. It is unclear whether WM will reschedule the debut, several dealers said. The company may also delay its IPO, as it is having trouble securing cornerstone investors, according to a former WM executive. Staying with automotive news, driverless truck startup Too Simple, that's T-U Simple, has fired its co-founder and CEO Hou Xiaodi following an internal investigation of the company's links with a rival truck startup. An investigation launched by Too Simple's board into alleged improper dealings with and possible technology transfer to Hydron, an autonomous hydrogen-powered truck startup founded by Too Simple's now-departed co-founder Chen Mo. Ho denied the allegations and said that his firing was without cause. The Nasdaq-listed company had just been in the crosshairs of U.S. regulators this year before reaching a deal in February with U.S. authorities to end a lengthy national security probe into the company's data operations and China links. Now, the company is operating its Chinese business separately. Now let's turn to COVID-related news in China, specifically the ongoing chaos surrounding Apple supplier Foxconn, Fushikong, and its Henan factory. Photos and videos of workers fleeing the factory on foot amid a COVID flare-up went viral on Chinese social media last weekend. Some workers told Caixin that they were afraid of being infected and quarantined. Others were also concerned that they might face employment discrimination elsewhere if they contracted the disease and later recovered. The Zhengzhou city government said Sunday it had not found, quote, COVID infections with severe symptoms, unquote, in the plant and that the outbreak was controllable, though the exact number of infections there was unclear. The area then went into a seven-day pandemic control lockdown on Wednesday, with the local government ordering people and vehicles off the streets except for medical or other essential reasons. The move is likely to further disrupt Foxconn's operations, which include assembling thousands of components shipped from Europe to Asia into devices, which are then shuttled off to the rest of the world. The plant employs around 200,000 workers. The factory will keep operating within a, quote, closed loop, Foxconn said in a statement, which means a self-contained bubble that limits contact with the outside world. Additionally, the Taiwanese company has sought to mitigate the disruption by raising wages and arranging for backup from its other Chinese sites. And finally, we'll wrap up with the latest ban on a major marketing strategy. Chinese regulators have banned use of celebrities to endorse a range of products including tobacco, off-campus tutoring, healthcare, medicine, medical instruments, and health foods. The guidelines were issued on Monday by the State Administration for Market Regulation and six other agencies. They were imposed after multiple cases in which celebrity-endorsed products were found to have quality issues and some stars were involved in scandals and illegal activities. Some endorsements of health or cosmetic products have also been involved in false advertising cases. Let's turn now to Josh Dummer, 
an editor at Taishin Global who worked on a fascinating piece about what, as you will soon learn, is one of the world's most important and consequential companies, CATL, or CATL. Welcome back to the Taishin Seneca Business Brief, Josh. It's very nice to be here. So tell us who CATL is and what they do and, and a bit about their history. So CATL, or more fully, Contemporary Amperex Technology Limited, makes batteries for electric vehicles. It was founded back in December 2011 as a spin-off of the similarly named Amperex Technology Limited. As a subsidiary of Japanese electrical material supplier TDK, that company was set up in 1999 to produce lithium-ion batteries for mobile devices. Then, Cattle became an independent company in 2015 with ATL, Atl holding no stake. The Ningde-based supplier got its first big break by winning a project that year to make battery packs for the first electric vehicle model rolled out by BMW Brilliance Automotive, which is a joint venture between BMW and the Chinese company Brilliance China Automotive. A person familiar with BMW Brilliance's development previously told Tyson that Cattle was selected because Atle is a major supplier to Apple, Samsung, and Huawei. However, Back then, Cattle was capable of producing only individual battery cells, and it didn't really know how to make whole battery packs, which also include things like battery materials, battery casings, and overall energy management systems. But then, BMW Brilliance transferred its battery pack know-how to Cattle, and the rest is history. It's since become a verifiable giant. It first took the title of world's number one battery maker in 2017, and with a few interruptions, it's mostly managed to hold on to that title ever since. And it's got a lot of big name clients, such as Volkswagen and Tesla. So what triggered or enabled Cattle to expand so quickly? Well, there are actually quite a few reasons that the company was able to do so well. One is, quite simply, that it's based in the world's largest market for electric vehicles. As you probably know, quite a few years ago, Beijing decided that EVs were going to be an important future technology and wanted to ensure the country got an early start. So it rolled out tons of favorable policies, both on the supply and demand sides, to help the market grow very quickly, which it did. However, key to cattle's rise were a set of protectionist policies that sheltered it from competition with foreign rivals as it was starting out. To be eligible for these valuable subsidies, carmakers had to purchase batteries from an approved list of suppliers, all of which were domestic companies. But, to be fair, cattle success isn't all the government's doing. The company has also achieved significant technological breakthroughs, which made its products more competitive in some senses than its rivals. The company pioneered the use of lithium-ion phosphate, or LFP, batteries. Though these batteries are safer, traditionally they've had lower energy density compared to other types. And that means that EVs powered by these kinds of batteries have a lower driving range compared to the use that use the other main type of battery, nickel, cobalt, manganese, or NCM. But Cattle managed to improve the density of LFP batteries by redesigning the packs with fewer parts. Also, LFP batteries are much cheaper to produce than NCMs, allowing them to undercut their rivals on price. So now the company is looking to expand overseas, right? It certainly is. So a very pivotal moment in this expansion came last October, when Tesla announced that it would use Cattle's LFP batteries 
in its cars delivered to global consumers, not just for the China market. Tesla's move pushed Cattle's LFP technology into the global mainstream. In July this year, Ford announced that it would import LFP batteries from Cattle for its North American electric pickup trucks and SUVs. But Cattle doesn't just plan to export batteries it makes here in China. Back in 2018, it announced a $233 million factory in Germany. But this year, the company has pushed its overseas expansion into overdrive, with a flurry of moves to expand its production facilities across three continents. In August, it announced another European factory, a $7.2 billion facility in Hungary. And Saisin has learned that plans for a production facility in Mexico have been finalized. And there are also reports that Cattle is considering plants in the US and in Indonesia. The General Secretary of the China Industrial Association of Power Sources told Saisin that by setting up production facilities, battery companies can better serve clients at their proximity by reducing the costs of transportation and other logistics. All that means is if the factory is nearby to where the products are going to be used, it's going to be more competitive. But cattle is going to face some stiff competition in these markets, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So competition is primarily going to be coming from South Korea's LG and Japan's Panasonic, which have long operated businesses in Europe and the US and therefore have tons more experience there than cattle. LG, whose clients include Tesla, Ford and General Motors, so they're competing from the same clients as cattle, recently deepened its footprint in the US, announcing in August that it plans to build a battery factory worth $4.4 billion in partnership with Japanese carmaker Honda. That is not the only challenge, though, that cattle faces in its overseas expansion, right? Well, another major stumbling block is geopolitics. Cattle's overseas expansion comes at a time when relationships between China and many Western countries are deteriorating. And both sides view development of emerging industries like EVs and batteries as critical to their own country's long-term industrial competitiveness. Now, Washington's Inflation Reduction Act, unveiled in August, includes provisions that stipulate EV makers must source batteries domestically to enjoy U.S. subsidies. The policy is widely seen as taking a page from those Chinese protectionist policies that we mentioned earlier. The U.S. policy won't ban use of batteries from Chinese companies explicitly, but it will make it impossible for them to get those subsidies, said Gong Min, an auto industry analyst at UBS. And it's obvious how that would make them less competitive. In Europe, governments are generally more open towards foreign battery makers, but stringent environmental rules there could present challenges. In July, the European Commission proposed new regulations which would make it mandatory to monitor the environmental footprint of batteries, therefore posing another stumbling block to companies like Cattle entering the market. All right. Thanks so much, Josh, for the great insights. Thank you very much for having me. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and by Kelsey Chung and Lin Jingbing of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Lee Sin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of the other great podcasts on the Seneca Network, like the amazing China in Africa podcast and China Corner Office. And for daily news and views, make sure you subscribe to Access from the China Project. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Take care.